This is the Journal of American History podcast for December 2008. Hello, this is Ed Linenthal, editor of the Journal of American History, welcoming you to our first podcast. In each program, we will present an interview with one of our authors. These podcasts will be a quarterly feature of the Journal of American History. In addition to interviews with our authors, we hope to bring you conversations with authors whose books on American history have won awards. If you have comments or suggestions, please email us at jahcast.com. J-A-H-C-A-S-T, at indiana.edu. We hope that you enjoy this edition to the Journal of American History. For our first program, Associate Editor and Professor of History at Indiana University Bloomington, John Yato Phillips, speaks with Professor James Merriweather about his article, Worth a Lot of Negro Votes, Black Voters, Africa, and the 1960 Presidential Campaign. This article appears in the December 2008 issue of the Journal of American History and is also featured in our online supplement, Teaching the JAH. This is John Yetto Phillips. I'm an associate editor at the Journal of American History. And today I'm interviewing James Merriweather, who is a professor of history at Cal State University, Channel Islands. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Jim has written a piece that is coming out in the December 2008 issue of the Journal of American History titled, Worth a Lot of Negro Votes, Black Voters, Africa, and the 1960 Presidential Campaign. Jim, I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about the story that is at the center of this article, which has to do with the uh, 280 African students who were awarded scholarships to come to the United States and how their educational uh, scholarships figured central to the 1960 presidential campaign. That's exactly right, is that there had been this effort starting uh, in 1959 uh, in which there were notable uh, African-Americans, Jackie Robinson, Sidney Poitier, and others involved with trying to increase the number of African students coming over uh, Tom Mboya, an African nationalist and, and leader in Kenya, had come on on a speaking tour in 1956 and then again in 1959. And this combination started trying to, to promote the idea of, of providing scholarships uh, for students to come study. Uh, this all got underway in, in, in a large scale in 1959 when 81 students came and then it was to be expanded in 1960. The problem was there were there were not enough funds for for the transportation costs. The scholarships were there. Uh, the students had raised money in their in their home communities, but the transportation costs weren't there. So so supporters of the airlift turned to uh, at first uh, Vice President Richard Nixon to see if, if he could get some some uh, government support, some U.S. funding for it. And when that avenue didn't pan out, then they turned to Senator John Kennedy, uh, who was able to secure funding through the Family Foundation, the Kennedy Foundation. And at that point, it became something of a of a political football, uh, and that's sort of the basis then for 
for the discussion in the article about how this becomes uh, important for for how we understand the 1960 election. You write about the African American Students Foundation. Uh, what was that organization, and um, what role did it play uh, in securing funds so that these students could come over to the United States? Yeah, this organization had been set up in the late 50s. Uh, there are a number of people involved uh, with with trying to to create a, a framework for helping with the transportation costs of these students, uh, and they become formally the uh, this this AASF, this African American Student Foundation. Uh, they had raised funds in in 1959, and had raised about $35,000, but they needed three times as much for for the 1960 airlift, uh, and so they had tried to to get some private funding, but it had gone beyond that, uh, and that's why they were reaching out to to the government and to foundations and such, and but were not finding success until until they contacted uh, at that time Senator Kennedy. And it was uh, Senator Kennedy then who really kind of picked up the ball, so to speak, and sought to advance the cause of these students and to uh, acquire the funds or to provide the funds through the Joseph Kennedy Foundation. And that foundation then provided the funds for these students to come over um, nearly on the eve of the presidential election of 1960. But it seems that Richard Nixon, uh, Vice President Nixon, was also very much interested in trying to secure funds for these students. How is it that the Kennedy campaign seemed to succeed where the Nixon campaign failed? Both of the candidates actually had a, had a very long established interest in Africa. The, the Nixon interest had gone back to at least 1957 when he was sent as the representative for the United States to the independent celebrations in Ghana. And he had at that time gone on a tour of, of several countries in Africa and had come back convinced that, that Africa was really a critically important uh, area in this Cold War struggle. Kennedy himself, also in 1957, had, had given the speech on Algeria and, and, the, and the war in, in Algeria that had positioned him as being seen as a, as a friend to, to Africans. Uh, he was quite critical of, of French policy in, in, in Algeria. And then he had become the, the chair of the Senate Foreign Re- Relations uh, Committee subcommittee on Africa. And so they both were logical people to turn to uh, when seeking funding for these African students. Now, in the case of Kennedy, he was able to, to use this private foundation Part of the issue that that arose during the political campaign then was that that this private foundation was not geared towards helping uh, students uh, or international uh, students in particular, uh, but was geared towards helping those who were mentally disabled or had some or had been institutionalized and such. So it wasn't a logical thing for the for the Kennedy Foundation to to make this gesture. This is. Very effective, though, because what Kennedy is trying to do is reach out and secure the support of black voters without turning away uh, white voters, particularly uh, southern white voters, who may have been shifted from the from voting the historically voting in for Democrats uh, because of of civil rights efforts. And so it's it's this type of of endeavor by 
by Kennedy that is uh, turns out to be quite successful. It's not his only effort, but it helps change our, how, our thinking on, on how he went about doing this. How was it then that Kennedy was able to secure these funds without alienating white Southern Democrats in this? Were they not taking notice of his efforts to aid Africa? And did they not read into those efforts uh, a racial agenda or a civil rights agenda? Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, your typical uh, voter was, you know, was really all that cognizant of of this effort by Kennedy to to reach out to to Africa and to use Africa as a as a as a way to to gain support in in, in amongst black Americans but it's very noticed by by black Americans at that time uh there has been a growing and very vibrant connection between black Americans and the civil rights struggle that was very much underway in the United States and the national liberation struggles in Africa, which were were sweeping towards towards uh, gaining full independence throughout the continent, and the this this vibrant connection is very much a part of the late 1950s, uh, 1960. And Kennedy taps into that with his effort to help these African students. You tell a very fascinating story of how Jackie Robinson attempts to intervene on behalf of these students. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about uh, that intervention. Jackie Robinson had had met Nixon uh, years before and when he was still playing baseball. And they had maintained contact. Nixon himself saw Robinson as a way to to gain support amongst black voters uh, and, and very much sought his endorsement in the 1960 election. During the primaries, uh, Robinson had actually endorsed Hubert Humphrey as the person that he saw was was going to be the strongest advocate for, for civil rights for, for black Americans. But when Humphrey lost uh, the nomination uh, to Kennedy, Robinson was was torn as to which candidate he might support, and was fairly convinced that uh, that Nixon would be a stronger advocate for for civil rights. Uh, and there were a number of things in in Nixon's history which which lent credibility to Robinson's assessment. So Robinson, who is is part of this effort by the African American Student Foundation to get uh, support for the transportation costs for these students, turn, he's, a, he's a board member, turns to, to Nixon as a way to perhaps get Nixon to find funding, uh, maybe through the State Department, in order to assist these students. Nixon does try to, to ascertain whether the State Department can find some funding, and the answer that he comes back to Robinson with is is no, that he can't find any funding, but he is still a strong advocate for for civil rights, uh, and would Robinson still consider to endorse him for the campaign? And ultimately, Robinson will endorse Nixon in the in the in the campaign. It would seem that Nixon actually, as vice president, took the lead on Africa, and I'm wondering what happened to that lead. How did he lose it? to an aspiring young uh, senator in, in the 1960 uh, campaign. I think it's more a case that, that Kennedy saw this as, a, as an opportunity 
on a number of levels. He could he could speak strongly about the situation in Africa, and that would buttress his his Cold War credentials. That we need to do something. We need to act on Africa in a number of ways, and that would help prevent communism from spreading there. But that there are other other benefits that that are seen as well, and and he particularly sees this as as a way that can connect with the African American community in a way that that Nixon doesn't pick up. And we can see this in other ways as well. I think that the Kennedy campaign was much more skilled and adept uh, in these appeals to black Americans. So we also see, for example, in the in the black press, in the leading black newspapers of the day, there are many uh, advertisements that are placed by the Kennedy campaign, and there's no equivalency by the Nixon campaign. And it probably didn't hurt that Kennedy had access to private funding uh, through the Joseph Kennedy Foundation through which to help provide the travel for those students, whereas Nixon seemed to um, have a great deal of trouble getting the federal government to pick up the tab. Yeah, in fact, this this becomes part of the the controversy when this all breaks out uh, in early August of 1960 where there's a rather dramatic moment where one of Nixon's supporters, uh, Senator Hugh Scott from Pennsylvania, walks onto the the Senate floor to denounce the Kennedys uh, and the Kennedy Foundation and John Kennedy for funding these students uh, through these private mechanisms. And he uses some rather intemperate language uh, accusing the Kennedy the junior senator from Massachusetts of of trying to take over the functions of the government, at which point other members of the Senate, most notably uh, William Fulbright, uh, senator from Arkansas, the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee, finds it a bit odd that there are people that are trying to get government money spent where private funding has managed to to you know fill the breach. And in fact, in the 11th hour, wasn't it the case that Nixon finally came up with those funds and tried to preempt the Kennedys from providing that funding? That's absolutely right. He, uh, Nixon uh, and, and his campaign, when they find out that, that the Kennedy Foundation has come through with this $100,000, this information leaks out, not wide, widely, but through Jackie Robinson, who who's a board member, uh, and is informed that the that the AASF has has been able to secure the funding, when this comes out on Friday, by Monday afternoon, the State Department has been able to find that hundred thousand dollars, which for months had not been able to be found, but through a series, uh, a very exhaustive series of phone calls from Friday afternoon through Monday morning, uh, they come up with a hundred thousand dollars, at which point. Uh, the African American Student Foundation says that they will stick with with the Kennedy Foundation money because the Kennedys are the ones, or the Kennedy Foundation had come through with the money, uh, whereas months of effort with the State Department and implicitly Nixon came through with nothing. Did this story uh, gain the attention of, of major newspapers across the country that were not whose readership was not predominantly African American? No, it's in kind of buried in a couple of of kind of the the broader press, but by and large, this plays out on the pages of of black newspapers like the Chicago Defender, 
uh, the Pittsburgh Courier, uh, the Baltimore Afro-American, the New York Amsterdam News. This is where it plays out. And so when the issue of the funding becomes part of the of this national back and forth between between Senator Scott and Senator Kennedy and 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 other actors in there, it turns out that that Senator Scott, the Republican from Pennsylvania, writes to the African American press saying that he is fully supportive of funding for these African students as well as for civil rights and such. Uh, because again, the recognition is there is that this is this is something that's meaningful for a portion of, of voters that is seen as very critical in the nineteen sixty election. How did race figure into the nineteen sixty presidential election and how have historians understood the narrative of race in that election? Yes, I, I think I think if historians in general have, have seen that in this in this extremely close election that black voters were of significance uh, in in the election turning out as it did. Uh, the traditional narrative has has focused very much on on John Kennedy's phone call to Coretta Scott King in the last days of October uh, when Martin Luther King had been jailed for a minor uh, violation, traffic violation, and had been jailed. And and John Kennedy uh, calls and and expresses his sympathy to Coretta Scott King. Uh, Nixon chose not to call, and the traditional narrative is that, that this is uh, helped swing uh, black voters over to the Kennedy column uh, and and then swung the election itself. And that was just days before the election? This was just days before the election. What we find when we look at uh, the black press is that up and down the, the country, while this story was coming out right at, at election time, all of the newspapers were endorsing Kennedy for a variety of reasons, None of which were the phone call to that he had made to Coretta Scott King. They're endorsing Kennedy because of his stand on a variety of issues, you know, the, raising the minimum wage and, and Africa. And so, so our traditional narrative has emphasized something which may have may have you know been been part of the narrative, but has come to dominate in ways that kind of. Uh, obscure our broader and fuller understanding of, of, of really what happens in this election. So it would seem that one of your major arguments here is that race lies somewhere under the radar of the popular press, but that for African Americans, it seems to be very much implicit and bound up in the candidates' policies and positions with regard to Africa, and specifically with the outcome of this particular effort to bring these African students to the United States. Is that correct? Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And and what what ends up happening is that uh, in some ways, Africa becomes something of a surrogate for, for talking about the issue of civil rights in the United States. And so Kennedy can stand up and does repeatedly in speech after speech after speech uh, in, in Los Angeles and Oakland and in Harlem. And he can stand up and talk about the need to to support Africans and their efforts to secure a better life uh, 
for for the democratic rights of of all mankind and such, and he can speak on a on a way that that connects with the voters, the black voters, men and women in his audience, uh, without directly taking on necessarily the issue of civil rights in 1960 in the United States. To what extent do you think this was instrumental in the the black vote? And also, to what extent was the African-American vote instrumental in Kennedy's victory in 1960? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever be able to say, well, he won because of this one action. Uh, which sometimes seems to be the case when people are talking about the phone call to 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 Coretta King. I think that the black vote was instrumental. It was critical. And if you look at how narrow it was in, in particular states, you see that just a shift of a few thousand votes here and there, and the election would swing the other way. And black voters did break for, for Kennedy. Uh, and so it is instrumental. And, and that appeal by using Africa uh, is, in, is critical to his long-term strategy to win that black, that black vote. And it would seem that in the 1950s, the kind of the larger context of the Cold War provided kind of the language for, and the rationale for why the United States should care about emerging democracies in, and, and emerging uh, countries in Africa. I think there's a general tendency and instinct uh, amongst uh, American voters to be supportive of efforts to promote education, whether it's within the country or to or outside the country. This is something that that connects to to the American dream uh, and American values, and so being able to support that can can cross party lines, can cross regional lines, and such. And so it's it's a way to to make this connection and also you see it as being significant in this Cold War struggle to win the hearts and minds of people of the world. And as Africa is gaining independence, this becomes a very valuable way to, to make that, that connection for, for uh, the newly emerging nations and peoples of, of Africa. I'm wondering if you see any connections between between the silences of the 1960 campaign with regard to race and civil rights and the more explicit and some might argue contentious uh, vocabularies of race in this latest presidential election. Race is very much on the table in the 1960 campaign. And it does come out, and it is part of of the landscape, it's something of a minefield, which these two candidates are trying to carefully work their way through it to the other side, their ultimate objective, which is victory, by securing, in Kennedy's case, black voters, as well as the historically, traditionally Democratic South, while, Ken, while, I'm sorry, while Nixon is trying to, to switch the South over into the Republican column. And so they're very aware and they're very conscious of, 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 of race and, and, and issues at that time. But you're right, that conversation has to be in very particular uh, terms and, and it can become very difficult. Nixon himself finds that he is in a lot of, of hot water that he has to deal with when his, when his running mate Senator Henry Cabot Lodge says that if they're elected, they will appoint a 
a black candidate, uh, cabinet member. And, and Nixon then has to, has to kind of, uh, backfill and say, well, that there wasn't some sort of quota that had been set aside for this and such. And so it does come out, uh, and in ways unexpected to the candidates as they try to carefully negotiate their way through. I think it came out in the 2008 election in very interesting ways as well. Uh, obviously, you know, people that, uh, have recently lived through this know that it came out whether it was in the context of, of, of Reverend Wright or in other ways. Though I did find it interesting that, that it was the first time that I had seen that, that a candidate was accused of playing the race card to his favor, uh, in which uh, a couple of times, both in the primaries and in, in the general election, you know, Barack Obama is, is accused of playing the race card as if it's a, a benefit. And that I don't think had happened in previous elections. Jim Merriweather, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today and sharing with us uh, your insights in the 1960 presidential campaign. John, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I hope we get a chance to do it again. This podcast is produced by the Journal of American History, the leading scholarly publication and the journal of record in American history. Visit us on the web at www.journalofamericanhistory.org. Please support the journal by becoming a member of the Organization of American Historians. Subscribe online at www.oah.org, and you will receive a printed copy of the journal four times a year. Thank you for listening to the first Journal of American History podcast. Join us in March for our next program. Once again, if you have comments or suggestions, please email us at jahcast at indiana.edu.